Very good. You know, I like songs that has words that mean something. You know, it, it, that uh, uh, he became acquainted with grief, that I might be acquainted with grace. That's a great, great thought. In your Bibles today, if you'd join me, please, I would uh, like to invite you to the book of Genesis in your Bible, the very first book in your Bible. Uh, we began to preach a series of messages through the book of Genesis, and uh, I've enjoyed immensely studying these, these things. I've read Genesis through now several times, and I've yet, I'm looking for the caveman with a club above his shoulder dragging his wife through the woods. Uh, I've been looking for the Stone Age, the Ice Age, uh, the Bronze Age, and the Middle Age. Uh, I, I, I'm really confused, because what I was taught in school just don't seem like pans out. I found the missing link. And I'll sell it to you for a dollar after the service. But if we were to remove a chalkboard and plaster Paris, every scientist in the world would not have a leg to stand on. How they can find a tooth of an animal that existed 20 million years ago I'm sure they had their cell phone back in those days, took a picture of it. How they can find a tooth, a single tooth, maybe just a, a, a parcel of, of a jawbone, and reconstruct that without ever seeing one is a miraculous thing, I would say. It's like finding a backfire out of a jet plane and then reconstructing that plane from that backfire. Uh, it's an amazing thing to me why Baptists believe what they're taught at school instead of the Word of God. Amen. Well, I'm not going to get anything scientific today. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. Jude speaks of them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. If you've ever described a society that we live in today, Jude did it, A.D. 66. The way of Cain, the way of self-gain, the way of taking our eyes off of God and putting it on something else, and perishing 
by the handfuls, disallowing, disbelieving, and dishonoring the God that created us. Well, I, this is supposed to be an inspiring message, so it's Sunday morning, and, and I'll try to say something encouraging a little bit along the way. In your Bible, Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. That word knew there is the same word used in Genesis in reference to those angels that came to Sodom. And all the Sodomites in Sodom came to Lot's door and said, we want you to bring out the angels, the men who have come in, that we might know them. Know them in a sexual connotation. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. The very first, the very first labor pain, the very first fellow who had to find watermelon at four o'clock in the morning in December. I don't feel sorry for Eve, I feel sorry for poor Adam. I don't know if he went to Marge classes or not. You know, Adam, do you know how to breathe? Sure. It's amazing what we have to do now to have babies. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She remembers just a few, few days, weeks, or years ago in the Garden of Eden when she had disobeyed God and God told the serpent that uh, the seed of the woman would bruise the seed of the serpent's head. The first promise of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Genesis 3 and verse 15. And the moment that she became pregnant, she said, this might be the deliverer. This might be the Messiah. This might be the saving Savior who will bruise the head of the serpent looking toward Calvary. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. One a rancher, one a farmer. Neither one of them dressed in animal skins, with saliva running down his face, with a club in his hand, and dragging his wife to the cave. You're welcome. You can say amen after you go home if you'd like. You afraid your evolutionary friends will shame you. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. 
an offering, the fruit of his labor, the toil of his hands. God, look what I have done. Beautiful, I'm sure. Sweet fragrance, I'm sure. An offering that he was not ashamed to place on the altar of God. Beautiful, sincere, if you please, from his heart. The very first false religion in the world. A religion of doing. I can be good enough. I can work hard enough. God will accept me like I am. I do not need to repent of my sin. I'm too proud to repent from my sin. My ranch is very successful. My farm, look at my John Deere tractor. And he brought an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought, an, brought the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wrought, and his countenance fell. You ever seen a Baptist like that? It don't make any difference what you bring to God. It does not merit God's forgiveness. The problem was not with the offering. The problem was with the man of the offering. If God cannot accept your person and your lifestyle, God will not accept your offering. God does not use dirty vessels. God does not have to use dirty vessels. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wrought. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wrought? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? That's the third question asked in the word of God. Am I my brother's keeper? Question number three in the Word of God. 
And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thine hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. Put all the fertilizer you want to on it, Cain. Cultivate it any way you like, Cain. Go to school and learn all about it. But I don't care, Cain, what you put in the ground. It's not coming up. You're cursed. You mean to tell me, now let me ask you a question. This don't mean a thing about the sermon. You mean to tell me that men's actions control the productivity of the earth? Have you checked out Babylon lately? Nineveh? Assyria? Oh, you'll find them in the Arabian desert where nothing grows any longer. You mean to tell me that your sins will find you out? You know why some folks are broke? You know why some folks' investments just never pan out? Well, I... I was just guessing. Now let's go on. Could I? Would it be all right if we guess a little bit? When thou tillest the ground, verse twelve, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. The difference with Abraham and Cain. The Bible said that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And God told Abraham he'd be a stranger and a pilgrim in the earth. But the self-conceited Cain who brought that which he thought was right instead of what God said was right. Without faith, but with works. Not a stranger and a pilgrim, but a fugitive and a vagabond. It makes a difference what you believe. The Bible goes on. You say, preacher, where'd you get all that out of there? I have no idea. It just jumped out of there. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me 
shall slay me. Now, this is before human government. This is before any human law. Capital punishment has not been issued yet. We'll wait till after the flood to do that. But now there is no human government. And so God does not take Cain's life, but makes him a vagabond and a fugitive so that everybody sees him would want to kill him. God has an answer for that. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest they, any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Our Father today, in just this very short few moments, Lord, help us to gather our thoughts around these two young men raised by the same parents and yet so different individuals. I pray you'd help us today. Help me, dear God. I need you so very much today to do your will, to bring honor to you, to exalt our Lord and Savior. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, was looking through the New Testament late last night, and in reference to Cain and Abel, I read in the book of Luke chapter 18, verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. Two men. <clears throat> the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. One that was self-righteous, a farmer. The other a publican who asked nothing of God but for mercy. And the Bible said that he went down to his house justified. Cain and Abel both enjoyed the same privileges and opportunities, yet they were very different. Cain cannot blame his problem on the boys down at the pool hall. Because there ain't no pool hall. If you educated folk, there's not anybody to influence it. He's the first. He didn't have cable television. It was not the influence of friends that got Cain into trouble. Cain has a problem not from without, but he has a problem from within. It happened a few weeks ago over in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and God told them, if you eat off that tree, you shall surely die. 
They disobeyed God. God expelled them from the garden and set a cherubim and a sword turning both ways so that no one could get to the tree of life. If you and I today could creep above the ridge that overlooked the Garden of Eden, and I'm sure these boys must have done it time and time again, you would see no tree of life. It's in heaven now, lining the streets of gold. You'd see no tree of knowledge because it's now in the presence of God. What you'd see in the Garden of Eden is nothing but thorns and thistles and briars and ugliness. The ground has been cursed because of Adam and Eve's sin. Now they've been expelled out of the garden and they've had kids. Cain did not have to be taught to be ugly and deceptive. That comes from within. Wherefore, as one man sin entered the world, so death by sin, so death is passed upon all men. Cain, firstborn, first murderer. I wonder if it lies within the heart of every one of us today to be a murderer. to be a con, to be a liar, slack and sluggard. Is it within our heart to do that? God said, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. Isaiah described us because of that sin in the garden of Adam and Eve, the fall of man in Genesis 3. Isaiah said, we're rotten from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, there's no soundness in us. Even Paul, after he was saved and forgiven, said, That which I would, I do not, and that which I would not, that I do. So I find a law warring in my members, the law of sin, bringing me into captivity. Two men with the same opportunities. John describes Abel as righteous Abel. Jesus, even from his own lips in Matthew, declares that Abel was a righteous man. But he also says that Cain was a wicked man. Two men with the same privileges. It makes no difference who we are. We have to deal with some issues in society today, and, and we deal with differences, if you notice. There is a gender difference for we who still believe the Bible. Genesis 1.27 says, and God created them male and female. I think... You do not have to go to school 
But somehow or another along life's highway, we notice that there is a difference between male and female. Because at 12, boys think girls stink. At 14, they think they smell good. And suddenly, the light goes on. There's a difference. God created them male and female, created him. And he said to them, Go and replenish the earth. That's God's plan for the genders. Steve and Leroy can't replenish the earth. All Steve and Leroy can do is steal mine and your kids and teach them their ungodly lifestyle, which to God is an abomination. There's a difference physically. If that were not true, then the commercials on television would be useless. There is a difference emotionally and behavioral. There's a language difference that we have to deal with. And the more that we are around, the more uh, uh, different uh, nationalities come to Texas, uh, the more we don't understand. And I tell you, I just kind of don't like for somebody to be talking in my presence, and I can't understand. But they didn't ask me if they could do that, so I haven't shot anybody lately for it. But there is a difference in our communications. A contractor hired an Irishman, an Italian, and a Chinese to move a load of sand. He told the Italian, he said, I want you to shovel the sand. He told the Irishman, I want you to sweep the sand. And he told the Chinese, you are in charge of supply." After a while, the contractor came back, and the sand had not been touched. He asked the Irishman, why haven't you been sweeping the sand? He said, we can't find the Chinaman to get supplies. He asked the Italian, why have you not been shoveling the sand? He said, we have not been able to find the Chinaman to get supplies. The contractor said, where is the Chinaman? He jumped up from behind the dirt and said, supplies, supplies. <laughs> I don't ask permission if I could do that. Ask her. I asked her if I could do that. Because of the differences in society, we have a problem with communication, and we deal with this issues, and we have two different people here with two different goals in mind, and but also we have a political differences in which in the day in which we live, and we deal with those every day. We basically are a two-party 
a, a political country, a Democrats and Republicans. And uh, I, I don't ask me what I am because I'm ashamed of both of them. But we have an issue with it. We have a hypothetical situation I could throw at you and just to illustrate the two differences in the political parties. For instance, a hypothetical situation, you are walking down the street with your family and uh, in your hand is a 357 Magnum pistol. Suddenly around the corner comes a raving looking maniac and with a shotgun in his hand and uh, in just seconds before he reaches you and your family, what do you do? If you are a Democrat, which is known to be the liberal base of our political uh, uh, foundation, and I, I do not criticize or what have you, but if you are a liberal, here would be your view of this man coming toward you with a shotgun, going to shoot you and your family any moment. The liberal view would be, I don't have enough information to answer this question right now. Or does the man look poor or oppressed? With a shotgun in his hand, blood in his eye, Coming your way, your question would be, have I ever done anything to hurt him, to inspire him, to want to kill me and my family? Could we run away? Would it be best if I grabbed him by the legs and he stabbed me several times while my family gets away? The liberal view. Could I possibly swing this gun and hit him with the handle and stop him? This is so confusing to me. I think probably I'd need to talk to my friends for a couple of days about this before I do anything. The conservative view would be, see if I can hit him six times before he hits the ground. That's the political differences. We have two men. They're extremely, extremely different. Notice verse 1 and 2, two different people. Two different people. Look, look at this, watch this. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bare Cain. And said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain. The very word means vitality, strength. In Bible days, they gave names to children with character traits usually 
that matched the name. Evidently, Cain must have been a larger person. Evidently, Cain must have been the stronger of the two, more massive, more presentable. Cain, the first one that was born, whose name meant vitality and able, whose name means vanity, vapor, or vanishing. It speaks much of those two boys, just the name. One, a big, strapping, strong, good-looking man from God. Isn't it interesting that Abel is not going to be around a while, whose name means vain, vanity, vapor. Two men, two different men. You might describe them as Abel is a saint, Cain is an ain't. Abel the righteous, Cain the wicked. Described by John in 1 John chapter 3 verse 22 as evil Cain. And righteous Abel. Two people. Two different people. Secondly, two offerings. Verse 3 and 4, please. Two offerings. Evidently, both had the desire to worship. Evidently, mom and dad had done a good job <coughs> teaching them about God. Even though they had been expelled from the garden <clears throat> and the cherubim is gone and the sword is gone and the tree is gone, evidently they both knew that God was not gone. I do not know the training that Adam and Eve produced in the home with Cain and Abel, but I do think maybe God must have told Adam and Eve something as he walked with them in the cool of the day. I think maybe God must have told them about a suffering Savior that would bruise the serpent's head. I think maybe there must have been some training in the home for these two boys to want to worship God. Regardless, there was a longing. There was a need in their heart to worship God. Verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Not sinful, not ugly. Dare say Cain was sincere, his offering given freely, given as an act of worship, an act of sincerity, an act of love. And Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. Perhaps Eve had told Abel and Cain about the skins that God 
had provided for the covering of their shame and of their sin. Perhaps they had told those two boys, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Hebrews 9 and 22. And Cain just says, well, I think maybe I'll worship God my way. Abel said, I think I'll worship God his way. Although the offering probably was of more value that Cain gave. A whole lot more beautiful and refreshing. No blood in it, uh, no stench. Cain must have thought God is going to have a wowee time when he sees my offering. And the Bible says that God had respect to Abel's offering. But to Cain's offering, he did not. He received one and did not receive the other. I wonder how many of us today think that our relationship with God depends upon what we can do, what we can bring, and what we can give to God. That's what evil Cain thought. That's what wicked Cain thought. But God had no respect to the self-effort and to the works doctrine that Cain produced. He had respect to Abel's offering. That was a offering by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Abel, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Excellent, why? Because it was by faith. God received it. Why? Because it's not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved. Abel's offering was a grace offering. It was an offering that pointed toward the suffering Savior at Calvary's tree. And righteous Abel was saved by faith, looking toward the coming of our Lord, just as we are saved by faith, looking back at his coming. Two offerings. Two men. I close. Two reactions. Notice. Two reactions. And the Bible said in verse 5, and but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wrought. And his countenance fell. I mean, I've done all of this for naught. The wise man said, all is vanity, saith the Lord. Vanity of vanity, saith the Lord. All that you're doing, all that you're giving, if it's not of grace and of love, you should have not done it. And you should have kept it. It's not going to do you any good. And the Bible said he was wrought. And the Lord said to the king, Why art thou wrought? 
Why is thy countenance fallen? Let me close. The real Cain came out. It's amazing how many folks walk around the church. They're so happy when everything's going their way. But you let just some little old thing go awry and their countenance falls. <laughs> Come on, say amen. Has that ever happened around your house? I know exactly how to get my wife's countenance to fall. I have not discovered yet how to get her countenance to rise. <laughs> I'm still working on that after all these many years. But have you ever walked in a house and you could just tell by the countenance on her face, you need to go back to work real quick. <laughs> Has that ever happened? Yes, yes, yes. Hey, ladies, have you ever said something that kind of got to the old man's goat and it just looked like it's four inches thick and real heavy in the house? Can you say, man? I can't afford to. When things didn't go like the man-made religionist wanted it to go, when you take grace out of your Christianity and you take love out of your Christianity, you take uh, forgiveness out of your Christianity, you too, have gone the way of Cain. The way of self-effort. The way of working your way to heaven. The way of being good enough one day to climb on the scales of deity and maybe your good works will outweigh your bad works. They won't do that. Two reactions. Rejection revealed his religion. He had a form of godliness, Cain did, but he was a stranger to the power of God thereof. Oh, dear Lord, I hope that no one here today is trying to work their way to heaven, trying to give their way to heaven, trying to be good enough to merit heaven because there's none righteous. No, not one. That means there's none right with God. But I have great news for you today. Abel's reaction was of faith. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice by which he received witness from God by faith. The Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By which we have access into his grace. <laughs> listen to me, folk. Listen. If you don't ever listen to another thing, you got it made and don't even know it. For by grace are you saved through faith. 
not by what you put in the offering plate or not what you put in the altar or how many souls you win or how much good you do. You are saved by faith through grace. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you know, one day, one moment, one second, one hour, can change your whole destiny and life? Just one event, just, just, just one quick event. For example, you probably don't know this fellow, but his name is Don Calhoun, a guy in Chicago making $5 an hour working at a construction site. Got the bright idea that he is going to go to a, a Chicago Bulls basketball game. He'd only been to one or two. Well, on his salary, he couldn't afford many. So as he made his way into the basketball arena that night, a little lady walked up to him and said, Sir, we're having a, a kind of a contest deal. I wonder if you'd like to participate. At the third quarter, we're going to have a, have a timeout, and we're going to have a what we call the million-dollar shot. He didn't know what this was on, but I said, Sure, I'd like to do that. So he went to the game, and in the middle of the third quarter, they tiled timeout and called Don Calhoun out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the congregation and set him on the free-throw line on one end of the basketball court and gave him a basketball and said, This is the million-dollar shot. You got one shot to put it in that basket on the far end of the court. He picked up the ball. He flung it as hard as he could. And while it was in the air, the coach for the Chicago Bulls stood up and said, My God, it's going to go in. His name is Phil Jackson. And sure as the world, through the basket it went. One million dollars. Don Calhoun left the court that night with two dollars in his pocket and received $50,000 every year for 20 years. One event. One moment. Changed his destiny completely. The same can happen to you. Just about knee. Just about heart. Saying, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I am not good enough, but you are. And I promise you, that would change your life.